0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post-20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 117 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week?
1: Get a nice little day off today. Um, Get to relax. I am in full health now. We were talking, so uh, my hives went away, and um, that's a good thing. It hasn't come up in a while, but... It's all good now. I had a lot of great games to watch in the Premier League. We were saying the NFL was awesome to watch now that's winding down. Um, We got some good matchups there for the championship weekends, uh, weekend games, I should say. And, um, yeah, it's all good. There's a lot of transfer business going on. We are in the final days of the winter window. Um, There's a lot of teams that need to do business right now if they want to stay afloat in the league or maybe challenge for um, some European competition levels. And, uh, yeah, um, it's pretty good right now. we got Team of the Year going on in uh, FIFA. Um, I was lucky enough to pack one. I got that Zhao Cancelo.
0: Um,
1: That's pretty legit. Hopefully can get more um, when they release the full team somehow, but I I doubt that my luck's going to carry over there. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot of good things. Um, we're talking about uh, another big snowstorm hitting, so I'm not looking forward to that. I will not be getting out of bed to go to work. I don't care what they say. Um, it just doesn't make human sense to get out of my bed and go there because my car will get stuck and my work truck will also get stuck. And the only one who's going to push me out is me. So, it just doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds absolutely awful um i hope that we don't actually get a foot of snow because it's such a nightmare um i hate snow now i like no, my my I've my, hated my, it.
1: my outlook of snow has changed
0: when we were when we were kids of course it's fun but like now it's just such a fucking nuisance it's such a pain in the ass i had to drive my car to the shop in the snow and then now what do you know my check engine light is back on i have to take it to the shop again on friday when we're supposed to get snow that's the two times that we've had snowstorms that i'm supposed to take my fucking car into the shop i i don't know what i did in a past life but um <sighs> yeah it's just it's such a nuisance i mean it's such an absolute pain in the fucking dick uh it's cool to look at for about i don't know 5 minutes and then it's a complete just just nuisance but um We'll go ahead and get into the Prem games. There was something I wanted to say, but I I totally forget what it was. So maybe it'll come back, uh, or maybe it won't. Who knows? Um, Recap. match day 23. Don't have any games to preview. So after this uh, recap, and there's quite a few games. This was the first kind of foolish week we've had in a while. Um, We'll talk a little bit about transfers, stuff like that. I did just see Robin Gosens has been transferred to Inter Milan, so... Um, today, you know, we're getting towards the end of January. I'm sure that we'll be seeing uh, quite a few transfer moves. Okay, let's get into the first match. Watford versus Norwich City. This game ended exact the exact opposite of how I would have imagined. Um, I, liked, I liked Emmanuel to score in this game. He actually just got a red card instead. Uh, Josh Sargent, two goals for him. Uh, new father, member of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, doesn't, really get all that much time because i don't know I, i'm not sure why but um a brace for him one in the 51st one in the 74th first goal acrobatic one of those back heel sort of flicks where you lift your foot up behind you and tap it in uh Drew-esque. sensational goal I, I when i when i saw it when i was watching uh i sent a text to somebody and i was like oh yeah but that was a flash of olivier Giroux. Uh, in his prime. And it was a great goal. Um, had to really contort his body to get that one in. That opened the scoring. Added another one in the 74th. And then Kuka, uh, that guy that looks like a crime lord, he had an own goal in the 92nd for Watford. So a really unlucky result for Watford. And not, not not unlucky. I mean, uh, they, they just didn't deserve it, to be honest. They, they had a couple shots on target. Four shots on target versus Norwich's two, uh, 15 shots in general, and 70% possession. And when you hold those stats, I think that you need to convert on it. Uh, Claudio Ranieri was sacked after this game, so Watford are now looking at their third manager, uh, really, and we're just halfway through this season, a a little bit more than halfway. Um, Really, really insane stuff. I mean, it is not normal for a club to go through three managers in one season and, I, I don't know what's next for Watford. I mean, they are currently sitting in 19th place, but they're one win away from staying up. Uh, Everton are sitting on 19, Norwich on 16, uh, and Watford at 14. And I think it's very possible that Norwich stay up. I like their team. I think they have some quality in, in that side. Uh, I, I don't know what's next. So I, I would ask you, Like I, I know they brought in, um, is it Big Sam? Is he there? No,
1: they brought back Roy Hodgson. Oh, it's Roy retirement.
0: So Roy, yeah. Roy Hodgson, Redknapp, and <laughs> Big Sam are all interchangeable for me because really, what their jobs are are just coming in and, um, and kind of trying to stay up. So I forgot who it was, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's his twenty-second uh, gig overall in his lifetime, so he's well versed and experienced in this, but. Yeah, you knew Ranieri's time was coming to the end. They had probably had the worst form of all. They haven't gotten a win since probably, um trying to look here, since October was the last time they won a game in the league. Um, so that's a very long time without winning. Um, yeah, and, they, and like you said, they they they're do um, what they're giving out. And I mean, the possession is nice, but uh, it's what you do with that time on the ball. And uh, Norwich capitalized on those very few opportunities they had. Like you said, Sargent with a brace, his first goals in the league this season, and uh, yet he still did not get called up to the international team. Um, I think 13 of the 28 guys that were called up are MLS players, and as we know, MLS is off right now. Um, they haven't played a competitive match. Um, if any of those guys made the championship game since December uh, end of November, so. Uh, Probably a decision by Berhalter when it comes to COVID, having a a safe environment for them knowing where they've been rather than these European guys in in other countries where they play internationally. Um, Coming from abroad, it's easier to control them. So that's interesting there. But besides that, Norwich, two straight straight wins, and um, in those games, it's teams that are along their level that you mentioned Everton and now Watford. So um, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating the teams around them and earning points when they can with above. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love Norwich right here. Um, I, de- I still do think they'll get relegated, but that's yeah. kind of hard. That's hard to say because that 16 to 20 range is all in my mind, possibly possible to go down. I I include Everton in that. We talked about, Two weeks ago, I asked you if, do you think Everton's a relegation battle job right now? And we kind of differed there. But now that they've played a couple more games and they have one win, I think, in 12 or 13, which yep. is putrid. And we saw what happened. <laughs> Rafa got the sack. So it's interesting to see what's going on down there. But, um, yeah, Norwich is in the right direction. Um, their level of games are going to change now. Um Obviously, everybody's going to play FA Cup this upcoming week. Not this upcoming, but the following weekend. Um, but they're getting a lot of rest. Uh, Norwich is a team that don't have a lot of international players. Um, so when they come back, they'll have to play Wolves. Uh, most likely, they'll get knocked out. But they get a great matchup against Crystal Palace again. And if they can make it 3-3, three and three, they can be in a very good spot. Um, obviously, teams around them have a couple games in hand. So... These wins really help them, and then they kind of go back into that, uh, like I said, when they played Man City and Liverpool, the meat grinder games. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do there. Watford, on the other hand, just down bad. I don't know if Roy Hodgson's that guy. We saw him with Palace last year. Um, They finished 14th. They get their wins here and there, and they take their lumps. They have a specific style. Um, I don't think it's going to change too far to what Ranieri did. Um, There's not much to work with there, to be honest with you, and the guy who's coming in with seven days left in the window, I don't think he's going to be able to bring anybody in that he wants. So they, they have to be going down in my mind.
0: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I I guess, I guess that's true. Um, What else can we expect from them? I I don't know. We're getting towards that point in the season where it's just really too hard to claw your way back. Mm -hmm. Um, The only nice thing is, is the gap, like the gap between 15th and, and 18th is is only seven points. Like that's three game weeks. It's very possible.
1: Yeah, I consider like 13 down right now in trouble. Like potential trouble. I think like, I think Southampton's fine. I think Villa's fine. Um, Brentford's iffy right now. They have looked awful. Um,
0: I think is okay. Are okay too. Actually.
1: Yeah, I just see that point. I think nine points. Like. A lot can happen and a lot of those teams below Palace have at least one game in hand. Um, besides Brentford, Brentford played the most out of all those teams down there at twenty-three. So um one last thing, I forgot. Um, our records last week, once again another putrid week. Um Evan went three and seven. Uh yep. and I I went four and six and I wanted to give everybody an update on our team records. Um, I'll just say the three worst for each of us and three best because there's a lot of middle of the road. Whether it's like one one more win or one more loss. So Evans three worst teams from third to first. He has what is this Brentford? He has Brentford at seven. Oh, that's his worst. Brentford seven and sixteen. Yeah. Um, Crystal Palace seven and fifteen, and Southampton at six and sixteen. Mine are Southampton at 7-15, and 15, Brighton, hate those guys, 6-16, six and, and the worst one of all, West Ham. I know nothing about West Ham. So if anybody asks me about West Ham, I know nothing. I am 5-18 picking West Ham games. Um, so that's the worst of all. Uh, going to best, Evans are Arsenal, 13-8. Um, Man City 16 and 7, and Chelsea at 13 and 11. Man City's easy, you just pick them to win. So yep. that's pretty much a fluke. I'm 16 and 7 with Man City. Um, Brentford and Chelsea are kind of a tie right now for me at 13 and 10 and 13 and 11, respectively. And then a surprising one, Leicester, I'm 14 and 16. I don't know how I did that, but
0: wow. yeah.
1: So those are like the updates for us. Everybody else is kind of middle of the park in a way. Uh, but yeah, I just can't believe that West Ham won for me. That's just, and they're a top five club. It's like, just pick them to win.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. All right. Um, let's move on. We had, uh, where is it? Oh, Everton, nil, Aston Villa one. One, Stevie G heads to the old rival park and Goodison gets three points in this one. Emmy Buendia, who is now just going by Emmy, if you look at stats, um, if you look at like the scoring sheet, uh, put one away. In the stoppage time of the uh, first half, Everton never worked their way back into it. I think Everton looked better in this game than they have in recent weeks, but um still really just not enough to get the job done eight shots three of those on target for villa and the possession was split directly down the middle everton can only they could only really uh manage one shot on target in this game and every time i look at the way everton line up i feel that their midfield wings and striker striker positions are actually fine it's mid-table quality maybe towards the top if you're getting everything out of these guys but Their back line is shocking, dude. Yerimina is terrible. Joe Kenny is a championship player. Holgate, honestly, maybe top half of the championship in my opinion. And Godfrey is not good enough either. Um, I just don't think Everton are going to do anything this season to get themselves out of where they're at. They're going to scrape by. They're going to stay up, but it's going to be an absolute scrape. Um, Duncan Ferguson stepping back in as the interim manager, which he did last season as well. Um, I he got some results for them last season. I just don't see it being the same way here. Um I was a little disappointed to see Villa only win 1-0. I thought maybe they'd really lay it on in this one. Um, or or it would be tight, but this was kind of just not really the way that I envisioned it going. A 1-0 scrape win um was was a little bit strange I think they they could have done more once once the game started and I was watching I think they they really could have done more
1: yeah I I was just looking here as you were talking um the remaining schedule for Everton is pretty grim yep um with 18 games left they have at least 10 of those playing the top half top 10 teams in the league currently in standings Um, So this next three-game period for them is make or break for their season. Um, They play Newcastle when they come back, an absolute six-pointer. And then after that, Leeds, another six-pointer. And then Southampton, which is a a very manageable game for them if they play their cards right. And then after that, they get into a gauntlet with Man City and such. So... um, they're definitely going to nick points here and there, but if they don't get at least six points in these next three games, I'm, I'm, I might actually mark them to go down, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, are they... I think there's like four clubs left that have never been relegated, and I think they're one of them. Yeah, um, they still On have the top it. of my head, so I think it's like them, them, United, Liverpool, and maybe somebody else I'm forgetting, but that dates back pre-Premier League as well, so... Yeah, I mean, this game, I definitely think Everton deserved a point. The way it worked, they they had a lot of good opportunities. Not not clear chances on goal, but they whipped balls into dangerous areas and just couldn't capitalize on them. Um, the Aston Villa goal was kind of cheesy, just a corner, and out of all people, Loemi low getting a flick header perfectly in the top corner. That was some the, some quality FIFA cheese right there, if I could say that myself. 45th plus. Um, But yeah, after that, Villa never looked back. They just hunkered in and did a good job. And uh, Stevie G winning at Goodison is hilarious. he given all the crowd uh, a nice cheeky wink um, and a good stare down. And uh, Lucas Dinier, on his first return back to Goodison, and he wins. I mean, the whole point of him leaving was because he didn't gel with Rafa. And the following days after he left, Rafa leaves. So... Everton, we talked about the previous episode, Everton's board and backroom staff have some have some cultural problems, just it's not about the players. I don't think they have enough. I look on their bench. There's a lot of names that just do not scream like positive impact when they come on the field. And the guys they have on the field have been injury prone. So they're pretty down bad. They're gonna have to scrape by. They're gonna have to play Burnley ball. Really pack it in. Play for set pieces, and that's gonna have to be their bread and butter to get out of this. But yeah, it's gonna be a relegation scrap here for them. Aston Villa, they nick a good point. Um, ever since the CVG took over, um, they were hot. Then they got into a bad period. I think this is their first win in a little while. Um, first in in uh, four games. So they're fluttering around that mid-table level, which is pretty much where we I think we had them. We had them around like a. Predicted around eighth or ninth, both of us. So yep. they're in good territory there. Only two draws. Um, they they do not draw games. That's how Leeds was last year. Like Leeds finished like four draws, but um, that's nice to have. Like you kind of get pissed off with draws. It's all or nothing. But um, yeah, I think Aston Villa is good there. Um, Coutinho starting. I think his first start here. Um, he's obviously going to be a big name in this team with Gerard's Gerard um, links. Um, they could definitely still bring in another player, I think. Maybe another midfielder. There's talks of McGinn leaving, but I think probably not. He's linked with United, but that just won't wouldn't make sense to me. He doesn't he won't solve their problems. Um But yeah, I think maybe another midfielder for them for depth would be nice. Um they're, they're playing that 4-3-3, so he's got Ings and Watkins to play with. Um they could just get a good string of games going for them. Uh, and lock up a top ten spot. I think Stevie G would be satisfied by that. But um, yeah, when it comes to Everton, man, it's it's make or break, and I don't know if Duncan Ferguson can hold up that reputation he has at that club in that in that uh, for a second time.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. We had Brentford one, Wolves two. Um, this one went. In the way of Wolverhampton. Uh, John Matinho opened the scoring in the 48th minute. Ivan Tony got one in the 71st. It was 1-1 heading into the, the dying uh, portion of the game. But Ruben Neves in the 78th minute getting a goal when Wolves needed it. Now, this was a fun watch, I thought. Brentford 11 shots versus Wolves 7. Uh, two shots on target for Wolves and just one for Brentford. Possession split down the middle. I think both teams looked really good. Um, Redford looked better than they have. Uh, of course, they they had a really disappointing loss against United uh, just a few games ago. But I think um, I think Wolves, man, it's it's really impressive that they can just grind these results out. They currently are sitting in eighth place. I think that's a great spot for them to be sitting in. That's really all you can ask for as uh as a team like Wolves who are in a relatively small market and i just think that you know they're getting a lot of really solid results here beating teams that they should beat staying in games against teams that you know maybe they they shouldn't beat or you would expect the other team to just really dominate them and wolves look great uh they're currently 2 points behind Tottenham in Eighth, they're on 34. Tottenham on 36, and Arsenal, of course, tied with Tottenham on 36 points. So, really, really, really good result for Wolves. Nice to see them grind it out, and once they let up a goal, get one right back, and finish with all three.
1: Yeah, I mean, Wolves is never going to be a team that gets absolutely blown out of the water by um, losing by like three goals. Um, They're pretty uh, solid in the back. Good, good, good leadership from Cody. Um, in this game particularly, I thought Brentford played uh, a great matchup. I think they, they competed very well. Um, just the quality in the midfield from Wolves was was better with Moutinho and Neves both grabbing a goal. Um, Portugal FC did well. Um, I just think Wolves, I don't know if they're active in the market. It doesn't seem like it right now. They have... Pedro Neto, who's going to be coming back at, within the next few months, who a lot of people forget about last year. He was a a breakout player for them um, on that right flank. They're going to lose Triore. That is the talk. Linked with yep. Spurs for around 20 mil. Honestly, that's kind of a steal for Wolves. Um, recently, they've been getting a lot out of Traore, though. He scored in, I think, two straight games, which is unheard of um for his standards and I think I think he's a player that is it has a particular style that if you use it right it can open up a lot of things for, for your team and I think for Tottenham um his pace will open up the field so much for Spurs on the counterattack which is how they played recently. So I don't know. I think losing him in this wolf side is not the end of the world because they haven't been scoring goals consistently in the first place. They're they're averaging under a goal a game uh, right now. So I don't think it's that big of a deal for them to lose. Their main thing is defense, and I think they'll be perfectly fine. They could be definitely challenged for some conference league or maybe some Europa League ball. I think they're, they'll definitely look forward to that. But um yeah, I think Wolves is in a very good spot right now. When it comes to Brentford, like we mentioned earlier, they are in terrible form. A lot of people's eyes got kind of covered uh, or blinded, I should say, by their great form at the start. We saw this previously with Everton um, teams that come out very hot at the beginning um, and kind of kind of play over what you're expecting. So they're hitting a big reality button right now, and it's. It's interesting because like Wolves, they do not score very much, but teams are kind of figuring them out now, and they just don't have that quality to compete uh, full 90, and their goalkeeper issue is big. Um, David Rea for them was a standout player. He was holding them in a lot of games, and they've kind of been flip-flopping between um Alvaro from Fernandez and this the Swedish guy I think lost or Danish excuse me uh, Jonas Losch definitely didn't pronounce that right but um, yeah it's interesting to see how Brentford's gonna react to their form they did sign Christian Eriksen so he is in the team Um, last thing I'll say is I don't know nobody gave a big shit about Christian Eriksen before the heart attack thing, you know what I mean? Yep. And, and everybody's like, oh, this is good. Like, I'm happy for him. Like, nobody says that about anybody else's, like, dying career going to, like, another big team, you know what I mean? Yep. Um. So I just find that interesting. I still think he's a good player. It's unfortunate with the rules restricting him from playing, but obviously health comes first. I just don't know how big of an impact he's going to be on this team. Um. We obviously know he's proven in the Premier League with Spurs. He's one of the, the I think top assist yeah. leaders all time. Yeah. So we we know he'll be able to set things up for them when it comes to set pieces and um free kicks, obviously. So I think he'll 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 help them climb up the table a little bit, but I don't know if he's gonna be a big impact right away. I don't know what the regulations are with him playing, but yeah, I just thought that was an interesting thing, how people just all of a sudden really really are looking forward for him and happy and want the best for him like i don't know
0: i think yeah i mean that's just media narrative right um people acting like they care um i think it would uh, i don't know how his how his football is right now i mean he's training with ajax he's home um, yeah i
1: mean he hasn't played a competitive game in months that's
0: what i'm saying like to be honest with you to be realistic his impact on the field may be solely moral um the fact that this Brentford is a is a somewhat young side uh with a lot of really young talented players i think just having a guy that is proven in the prem like you just said um sometimes can can have a real effect on the guys around you so i think there might be something to that but like like we said you know we haven't seen him play he could be a complete liability on the pitch honestly it, it's not Um, Out of the realm of possibility. So, yeah, it's certainly interesting to see uh, a kind of media suck fest. Um, But, you know, we're used to that at this point. Okay, Leeds nil. Newcastle won. Newcastle get a result. Uh, Fantastic goal from John Joe Shelby in the 75th. Put Newcastle ahead. Took them Uh, To the point where they could take all three points, 15 shots for Newcastle, three of those on target, 13 shots for Leeds and four of those on target. Now, Leeds were the dominant team in this game. I feel like they had 63% possession, knocked the ball around relatively well, uh, lined up how they've been lining up. Jack Harrison not able to replicate that unbelievable performance against West Ham. That he just recently had uh, in Newcastle lining up with Fraser, uh, Chris Wood, and St. Max across the front three. Johnzo Shelby uh, played in the middle of the park and converted. Uh, really nice goal from him. You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll see Johnzo Shelby play and um, just really be like in awe that he looks the way that he does and is also in the league playing. I feel like he's been playing for 40 years. But every once in a while, the guy will unleash an absolute rocket. Um, and you're just, you're just, like, it's not that surprising, but at the same time, it is. Um, he looks like such a freak, honestly. That that was my takeaway in this game. I, I can't believe that Newcastle took three. I mean, I really thought Leeds would come out and play. Um, they had some momentum going into this one, but not able to convert it into any sort of a of a result whatsoever
1: yeah i agree with you i think john joe has great performances every now and then and he's he's a pretty standard Premier League player now i mean when um he originally came into the league with swansea city uh a long time ago the the lord was born uh lord jr i should say respect to lord bettner indeed um um but yeah i thought his goal was interesting the the way the wall was set up yeah Meslier, man this guy is on fraud watch it's just he had such a great year last year and then they signed him on a long-term deal and now he's letting in some questionable goals man just Leeds overall has been has been inconsistent this year one of the top three inconsistent teams um even though most teams fall into that they are just Like you mentioned, Jack Harrison puts on an uh, an absolute show with a hat trick, and they beat a West Ham team, which I know nothing about. Um, And then they play Newcastle, who are the hungriest dogs in the league. Um, This game should have been like 5-4, I should say that. Um, You and me both could have ran in some of these lanes, they were so open. It it was unbelievable what I saw out there, and for it only to be 1-0 was shocking, but... Yeah, we both took leads in this game, I believe. Um, and I was upset about that. Newcastle, with all their problems, somehow get a result. I thought I, this. I, well, Newcastle is probably the most interesting team in the league right now because, obviously, they're the richest club. And they're linked with everybody. I think you and me both have been getting uh, transfer requests to go there um, for short stints just to save them well, in whatever role that is. But... I don't know. That team, they're playing Jolington at a center mid role. He's playing box to box midfielder when this guy came into the club as a striker. Um, Chris Wood, this guy, this does not fit this team. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if it's only been two games. This signing is awful. It was bad, yeah. Like when Wilson comes back, like this guy's just going to go on the bench because they play a 4 3 3. They're not going to play, like, a 4-2. 4-2. They, they, they have to play St. Max in an advanced role. It, that one doesn't make sense. Trippier is an interesting one. He has leadership and international experience, but I just don't know defensively. Like, that team is is down bad. LaSalle's picked up a knock in this game that I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but he's the captain of the club, and he does he does a good job at times, but they're going to have to bring in at least two more players in these next coming days, and it literally could be anybody at this point. They but, just
0: signed somebody.
1: Oh, did they? I think, like, Wood and Trippier, I think they have relegation release clauses in their contracts.
0: Oh, Grimares, Bruno Grimares, who actually Arsenal needed desperately, so that's good. Is
1: that the holding mid from yeah, Leon? from Leon,
0: Yeah, that's good. Right. That's great. I love to see that.
1: Okay, because I saw that, or I was like, he's deciding today where he wants to go. So he must be getting paid big money. Um, a so that helps. Job there, yeah, uh, yeah, they can. He he can. Him and Joe can rotate. Those guys play similar roles, and um, but yeah, I mean, they definitely need more than that. And um, for Arsenal's sake, they're going to have to go all in on somebody now, whether it's Wynaldum on on loan or something, because they're in a good spot to finish top four right now. Um, And uh, one signing will make a huge difference for them. But in this game, yeah, Newcastle get a a massive win. It puts them in a good spot somewhere in Norwich, where they're only one point out of the relegation zone. They have a game in hand against Norwich, which is huge. Um, But they have to go on a run. They're they're three matches unbeaten now. They have somewhat of form. Um, They play Everton, like I mentioned now. It's probably the biggest game they played all year. Um a win here could put Everton right there on the cusp of relegation zone where Newcastle can finally be in safety. I don't know, dude. It's coming down to it. Uh these games are massive and where we still have a little a little under half of the year to go when it comes to games. So, uh, it's a great time to be alive to watch this league.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh I'm going to now recant my statement. Fabrizio Romano, pretty much the leading reporter in terms of transfers is essentially never wrong. Yeah. Uh wrong, I think, because uh Leon just tweeted Oli- Olympique Leone's categorically denies the false information disseminated by many media reporting in agreement between Newcastle and Leon for the transfer of Brazilian international midfielder Bruno Guimaraes." So, I guess it's not happening.
1: That's good for you, then. Let's go. Uh,
0: yeah. I just saw a comment in the, uh, in the comment section that said uh, Stan Kroenke is going to rock up and, and, and buy him. But I know that won't happen, sadly. I just
1: don't understand. Why would you go there? Like know, it, money. It, ha- it has to be a cash grab, and you put in your contract, if we get relegated, I'm out. It has yeah. to be. That's the only way you go there.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that they're gonna be offering up those sorts of contracts, honestly. Um, so all right, let's move on. Manchester United won West Ham nil. Marcus Rashford steals the game in stoppage time, 93 minute. What?
1: Unbelievable. I was so pissed.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. I thought West Ham would actually win this game, but they looked really, really bad. Um uh, United looked great. 18 shots, three on target with 57% possession, six shots, one on target for West Ham. Uh, they lined up, I think, pretty much with their strongest lineup. Uh, United, that is. Of course, McTominay and Fred still in there. We're going to get Pogba back very soon, so hopefully he slots in for Fred. I think McTominay uh, has been better recently, so we'll see if they leave him on. Uh, Bruno Fernandez in the middle of the park with Greenwood and Alanga out on the flanks. And Ronaldo up top. They modified the, um, the formation again. I think this one's okay. The United looked better. They were at least getting forward and getting some chances here. Elanga getting two starts in a row. He looks really good. Uh young guy, great to see him getting some time. But Rashford getting subbed on, um, you know, getting that goal so good for his confidence. He's needed this so bad. It seemed like pundits were starting to finally talk about Rashford needs a move away. He needs to to get somewhere else and, and really kind of just work his way back into the form that he was in. But I think he'll be okay at United now. Uh, getting two in a row is is really, really necessary for a guy that's young, not necessarily playing all that much. Uh, he needed the confidence boost, and it was a great, great thing to see, uh, especially if you're a United fan. West Ham, I think we're just really flat in this game. Uh, they lined up full strength, of course. Rice and Suchek in the midfield for now Lanzini Bowen uh, and then Antonio ahead of him full strength back line Zuma's back, but they couldn't get it done in this game. They just look flat they didn't they didn't have that same sort of attacking power going forward that they usually do and overall, I would say that they just seem toothless compared to a United who looked like they really wanted all three.
1: yeah, that's two straight defeats now for West Ham. They're going back into that um fraud form um another huge loss. Gives opportunities to teams around them to jump. We already saw United jump them now. So West Ham are out of the top four. Arsenal and Spurs each have at least two games on hand or in hand against them. Um, and they're only both one point behind West Ham. So West Ham trickling down the table. Probably going to fall ball of wolves at this rate with, with comparing forms. Um, it's interesting. Um, they get Kurt Zuma back, like you mentioned, which is good. They lose Fabianski for unknown reasons before the game. So, Ariola steps in, who is has done very nice in previous years. Uh, we saw last year with Fulham what he did on loan from PSG. Um, I'll say for United, Lindelof not playing um, due to, Berg- I think, his house got um, broken into and everything. So, he was taking care of things there, which is something you never want to see. Um, Elanga, this guy is interesting, yeah, um, Ralph's a fan he He said from the first day this guy was special, um, and we're seeing this like you mentioned last week, he hits the gritty, uh, so he knows what's up
0: a sweet as well. Um,
1: we're starting to see the fullback situation um fade with Shaw and Wambasaka. We're seeing those guys fade out of regular roles, and DeLo and tellez slide into those roles it's interesting because for a long time you saw after the Euros, everybody thought luke shaw was one of the best fullbacks in the world and now it's like ralph is completely against that he's had his comments before he even came to the club what he thought of luke shaw Uh, and it's seeing in their playing time so it's very interesting there what's going to happen with their futures but rashford you mentioned pundits saying maybe a move's good for him this guy when I see him, he's united through and through. This is a guy that's probably going to be here his whole career, if I had to guess, um, unless dramatic circumstances come up. But I can never see this guy leaving United. Um, they're in a good spot right now. They're 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 doing well. And the and the, they changed their formation. They, they go away from that four triple two, which I never understood why he did that. They go back to a more structured formation and a four four two three one. Um, Ronaldo in that solo role up top is decent, maybe he needs help uh, that's up for debate but I think Br- Bruno is opening the game up more now in recent f- in recent form, he's providing more co- goal contributions um, so it's not all on Ronaldo, he's had his hissy fits here and there, but the team overall is doing better um, which is good to see depending on who you are, if you're a fan of United or a hater, but I think the more interesting thing is the cracks in West Ham. Um, they're lacking in the goal department. Um, they're, they're losing games that a lot of people think they should be winning. So I I don't know. They're not in that. They're still not in that that top tier category of team yet. It's still, even though they're they're where they are, um, they still have their flaws and. Um, the quality's just not there week in and week out and and United showed why so um i think going forward united obviously are going to revert back to shit we know it's going to happen they are the kings of that um but west ham it's it'll be interesting to see the next coming weeks how far they go down and and if they bounce back because we know at the end of the year the last two they always choke when they get into the into that um championship champions league uh time where they have to clutch up and they fall. So if they're in that seven to eight range, they might even fall down to that nine to ten. Who knows with teams forms forms shifting. So yeah.
0: Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, by the way, Newcastle have an eight million eight million pound offer for Brighton defender Dan Byrne rejected. Nobody uh. <laughs> even Dan Byrne wants to go to to Newcastle. Um, okay, Southampton one Manchester City 1. Wow, I thought Southampton would just be poking the bear when they opened the scoring on a goal from Kyle Walker-Peters in the 7th minute, but of course, um or not of course, con- contrary to what I expected, uh City didn't really work themselves back into the game all that well. Amirick Laporte scored in the 65th, but they were never able to to get more than one goal in. I thought that City um, would just absolutely smash Southampton, who have been good in recent weeks. But they didn't. Southampton held strong. Uh, only letting one goal up, especially after going ahead, is really impressive. I mean, we saw how well Arsenal defended against City, and they still conceded two times. So... Southampton did an amazing job here. Uh, seven shots for them, three shots on target, and just 25% possession. So it was an onslaught from City for a majority of the game. 20 shots for them, five of those on target, and 75% possession. Um, the story, of course, was just that real opening goal from from Southampton, from Kyle Walker-Peters, who scores his first Premier League goal from right back, um, first goal in general and then City, who just slaughtered them and really, really tried to win, um, but couldn't. I think Southampton defended so well to to defend with Salisu, Bednarek, Walker-Peters, and Perreault, uh, I think is really impressive. They had to sit back a little bit, and to get one point from City is really impressive, I have to say.
1: Yeah, I think Salisu in the back was man of the match for me. This guy was all yep. over the place to- he was holding KDB down in the middle of the park. He had a great slide tackle there that I remember off the top of my head. Fully stretched out. He just stopped the ball right there. Um, in recent games, he's been fraud. He's been two red cards, I think, in 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 uh, the last four weeks. Um, been letting his team down really bad. But, yeah, Southampton have had Man City's number the past few seasons. Um, this year, two draws now, so that they're unbeaten against man city which is something that you rarely say um but yeah i mean they're in an area of the table that's pretty decent for them 12th which is okay we're never going to think they're going to be a top 10 team they always have their flaws man city give a little bit of the lead away there, only nine points ahead of liverpool um liverpool have a game in hand as well and they have to play man city again um so that that keeps the title race alive but I mean, it's a it's a, it's a kink in the chain, really. I mean, it's not going to be anything massive. Jack Grealish just isn't that guy for them up front. He kind of holds them back a little bit. Yep. They went with the all English front in Foden, Grealish, and Sterling. I think when Mars comes back, he's just going to let loose. That guy is an X factor for me. Um, just a very unique player that they need if they want to keep getting the piling, keep piling on these wins. Um, when it comes to Southampton, I think we already mentioned Salisu, but, um, Romero held it down well in there. Ward-Prowse definitely led by example in the middle. Um, they just, they just minimalized those openings for City to take advantage of. That's all you have to do is just, just keep them out wide, just limit those little gaps in the middle for them to pick apart. Um, and a set piece ultimately let them down, which is the only thing that could have, um, for for Southampton defending wise. Um, Laporte wide open at the back post, which is just a, a a lapse in in focus for Southampton when it comes to marking. But they they fully deserve the point. Um, that that probably was one of the better team goals you'll see this year. Um, the way they worked the ball around and the, the setup for Walker Peters for the outside of the football it was. It was superb, but um, yeah, I don't know if Southampton are going to keep this up. They're definitely going to go back into. They probably lose their next game. To be honest with you, against Everton, I can definitely see that. But um, yeah, I I think it's interesting to see that the title race is back back on. If you want to think about it like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, alrighty, we had Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. Liverpool winning three one in this one. Uh, Not really indicative of how this game went, in my opinion. Van Dijk opened the scoring in the 8th minute. The Ox added one in the 32nd. Uh, The original AOC, as I've been calling him. Odson Edouard got one back in the 55th. And then in the 89th, um, Fabinho scored a penalty. I would like to first say that I think Palace were actually more in this game than the score might indicate. Um, Liverpool looked frightened by them. And... I thought Liverpool would win. Of course, they did. Uh, but but Palace actually, I th- I think that teams are afraid of them. I think they know what they can do. Uh, that front line of Elise Mateta and and Edouard is is definitely dangerous. Of course, they they didn't have Eze in this game. Uh, he did come on, but he didn't start. And I think that you know if all of these guys are on and they're having a good day, that Palace are really dangerous in terms of an, an attack. Uh, defensively, still really suspect. And of course, they did let up three goals in this game. So that's where they sort of fall apart. But I think attacking-wise, uh, Palace are a dangerous team. They seem to have a really solid game plan going forward. Uh, and in terms of stats, Liverpool 14 versus Palace is eight shots, and then seven shots on target versus Palace is five possession was in Liverpool's favor with 57% versus uh, Crystal Palace's 43 But I do think Palace looked okay in this game. I think this is a little bit of an unlucky result. Maybe if the conditions were just a little bit different. I could have seen this one even being a draw, honestly.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Palace is a team that Vieira has changed culturally. They have a different vibe about them. Um, a lot more youth in that squad upfront. Um, we talk about Roy Hodgson being back, him, um, Alan Pardue, um, Big Sam. These guys had pretty older, on average, older teams, uh, more traditional English style play. This team is more free-flow, liquid football-esque kind of tiki-taka at times, and, and it's more enjoyable to watch, and it's more exciting. Um, they still aren't at full strength. Obviously, Zaha at AFCON and um he should be coming back i believe nigeria uh, was defeated in the quarters so he should be coming back now he might be available for their fa cup game next weekend so that's good um but yeah but put on a good show here for for his limited time he's been having he had a couple opportunities to score he he sweat a ball he sweats a ball across for edward for a tap-in um they were like you said in this game var played a big role um, giving Liverpool a penalty in the end of the game as well as Ox's goal um Firmino you could say was in an offsides position affecting the play with how um Palace had to defend um Van Dijk probably had the easiest goal of the season you'll see um a wide open header at the front post um unbelievable how he got that open I'll never understand that but um yeah look great win for Liverpool Crystal Palace I think the number one thing they need to shore up is that midfield. Um, there's talks about Von De Beek coming in on loan. Um, there's talks about maybe bringing in another striker from League A. Um, they might push for Anketia maybe. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. They'll, I think everybody should at least get one player before the deadline um, to help at least. But um, yeah, I think going forward, Crystal Palace should be fine. Um, I think they're in a safe enough place in the league to where they don't have to worry about consistently grinding out winning results. I think they'll come naturally. But everybody below them is just pitiful. Like It's just unbelievable how you don't have to rely on yourself as much as you do just waiting on other teams to crumble before you. Um, That's interesting, just a quality difference in this league currently um it's kind of bad at times because you want everybody to be playing the best every weekend but these teams are just there's just a gap in the league it seems at this point i don't know if you agree with that
0: yeah i mean uh, i i guess i guess i would say yeah um earlier on this season i felt like teams were, were grouped together a little bit more tightly and now you're starting to really see the difference uh, i think that's definitely a fair statement um okay Shall we move on? Yeah. Okay. We had Arsenal nil, Burnley nil. Oh, this was an ugly one. Arsenal probably should have gotten out with three points, but of course they settle for one. 20 shots on target for the Arsenal, 10 for Burnley, five shots on target for Arsenal, one for Burnley. Uh, Arsenal holds 76% possession, and despite coming out a little bit flat, I think Arsenal played a relatively solid game, just could not convert Um, Lacazette, not an answer long-term for Arsenal's scoring problem. I think we need to bring somebody in. I just don't see who it's going to be. Of course, not going to get Vlaevic. He signed with Juventus. That's Uh,
1: disappointing.
0: Why would you come to a league where you have to actually try when you can hide in Italy? I get it. (laughs) Um, it doesn't make any sense why he wouldn't come to Arsenal. I guess he said, no, I just don't want to play for the club. That's fine. I mean, Mikel's probably not everybody's cup of tea. Really, not my cup of tea. Um, But I don't think Arsenal are that far away from being a steady top-four side. If this this defense can play the way that they do, um, they should be able to contend for it every year. I think they should be contending for a Champions League spot. Um, Saka, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, and Martinelli across that front line, I mean— all four of those guys I think are really really good. I think they have a place in the side. I think if we get one consistent solid goal scorer up top even from within one of the domestic leagues like I don't think Arsenal are that far away from being really really good and actually being dependable upon for a result. Um and and that's like the difference here. Lacazette just just can't get it done. Uh of course he's up there every once in a while he'll give you a really solid performance and and good goals, but It's kind of rare, and uh, there was a foul in this game that probably should have gone Arsenal's way. Uh, Didn't, which is a little bit unlucky. Both guys in the midfield, Westwood and Brownhill with yellows uh, for Burnley, but they hold. They hold hold the water, and Arsenal can't break through, and and they don't get all three, which I really feel like we should have, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah, Arsenal definitely 100% deserved all three points here. Burnley um with the winning formula just getting a draw they have four games in hand on Norwich and if they draw all of them they're level on points with Norwich at this point currently but they're definitely going to nick a win here and there which of course will come um they still only have one win this year so where it will come I could not tell you but it will come definitely they lose Chris Wood who was a massive figurehead up there for them Whip balls in, which is what they're known for And he he's a massive guy And now They go to Jay Rodriguez and your boy Vidra, who yep. aren't the tallest But they're pretty quick on their feet um, Dwight McNeil, towards the end of the game Tried to beat Arsenal alone Taking on Four players on 60-yard runs um, Which was funny to watch But, yeah, when you see that Midfield from Arsenal, it's kind of drooling a little bit You see all that attacking quality And for for you not to score in this game was was just kind of disappointing. Lacazette had that ball come in from Smith-Rowe after a great run down the line and misses the tap-in. And those are the, the margins in this league where um, it's make or break. And um, that could be the difference between coming in fifth and coming in fourth at the end of the year when we look back. So I think a striker, obviously, is what Arsenal are looking for. Midfielder, we're talking about um, that the Leon Bruno coming as a holding mid because Sambi was is the only kind of defensive mid you have left that is able to play. We know Jacques is suspended right now um, on red card duty, and the others are Afcon duty. So we we know in our hearts they have to bring in a holding mid, and they 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 probably will. If they don't it's going to be interesting to see these next couple of weeks what happens to them because we know they, they're not in European football, so their schedule is, isn't as compacted as a lot of these other teams are. Um, a lot of teams are having the first round of Champions League and Europa League ball start um, in the, in mid-February, um, so that should be interesting. But, yeah, I don't know. Arsenal are, are in, in a spot that they can capitalize on if they make one or two signings. And get a couple of results to go their way. We, I think the, the rescheduled North London derby is going to be for in February. Um, I think I saw some about that. Might, might be wrong there. But they should be able to get that game in before March. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Burnley, for Burnley's sake, they're going to have to draw their way to safety. Arsenal, they make one or two signings. And it could make the difference for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh okay, getting close to the end here, Just about an hour. Uh, Leicester City won, Brighton one. Patson Daka scored in the 46th minute to open the scoring for Leicester City. Ex-Arsenal and Manchester United player Danny Welbeck scored one in the 82nd to draw Brighton level and share all three points. This was a really well matched game, I thought. Um. Brighton looked sharp. Leicester looked sharp enough, considering the lineup they have to put out every week. Uh, 15 shots, uh, five shots on target. Five shots on target for both teams and 14 shots for Brighton. So um, Brighton actually controlled the possession in this game. I thought Leicester may try to do that, but Brighton did come out on top in terms of possession stats. Trossard and Mupai up top in a pairing. And of course, Pats and Daka playing by himself as he pretty much has to. Uh, up top for Leicester. Now, (sighs) this game was just... Like, it was actually entertaining. Um, A 1-1 draw, sometimes they're not so entertaining. Um, But I think watching Patsundaka, I actually really enjoy watching him play. Um, I think he could become a staple in this Leicester side. We'll see if they try and rush Jamie Vardy back in or not. I mean, he's old... He's injured, but he's been their guy for a really long time. He's their talisman player. He's extremely important to the identity of the team and the club. And I don't know what they're going to do, but I think um, if Leicester can just get their health defensively back to where it should be, uh, that they could be a better team next season. I I don't necessarily think uh, they're going to retain all of these players. You would hope Tillemans and Madison stay, they're very important. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know what I think about Brighton. I mean uh, I don't remember if I took a draw or if I took Leicester in this game. But um this was a really actually interesting game to watch and it, it tells you a lot about both of these teams.
1: Yeah, you took a draw in this game here. Yeah. You got that right. There I just noticed this. There's a eight point gap between eight and tenth. Um Wolves are on thirty-four and eighth and Leicester in tenth with 26 so i didn't notice that big margin there between top eight and the rest um brighton there in the middle on 30 points 12 draws in 22 games um they're still on track to hit their mark of not getting 10 wins in a season that'll be interesting 18 games left can they get four wins in those 18 games (laughs) i i would hope so um to break the curse but yeah, in this game, it was identical to how they played Chelsea. Um, Chelsea get a lead, they they take their opportunities, and then later in the game, Danny Welbeck comes in and and scores a header. Uh, it was, it made me want to be, it made me made me sick to be honest. Um, but fully deserved. Brighton hold the ball well. No Graham Potter, uh, the manager in this game, he he was, had couldn't be there because of COVID. I think the first assistant wasn't there as well, so they had a guy there who looks pretty similar to somebody I work with at the office, so I was I had to double take. Um when I saw the 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 coach there, yeah. I thought that was funny, but yeah, besides that Lester are in a weird situation when it comes to strikers. Jamie Vardy, I think 35, 36 years old, he's he he's a club legend there and has a big a big role and identity in that team, but I think They'd be remiss to waste the talent they have in Inacho and DACA. You yeah. bring this guy in for 40 40 million. And to to limit him to the time he's had so far is kind of upsetting because he lit the Austrian League up last year with Salzburg. Obviously, different quality there and different standards, but we, we know he's a goal scorer and he's he has the pace. Uh, and he's putting consecutive games up with goals again. I mean, we saw earlier in the year he scored four goals in a Europa League game. Um, he's scoring in the Premier League now. He 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 can get the job done. Um, I think they should play him more. They should play him and Iannaccio together up front. Um, that would be a dangerous duo to have. Um, not a lot of teams have two quality guys like that um, to play at the same time. But... I think Brighton is a hard team to break down for them with the form they're in. Um they just know how to get the get the job done at the end of the day and get get out of with a with a with a draw away um and take the point. But um yeah, I don't know if Leicester Leicester definitely can turn things around like you mentioned if their health um is better. Uh but they they're going into a rough stint now. They they, they got Liverpool, West Ham and Wolves in their next 3 in the league um they have their FA cup um they're in the Europa Conference League now um they're playing a team called Randers which i, I honestly have no guess where they're from um they play in the they play in the Danish league oh. so that should be interesting to see what happens there but um yeah i mean they they they're kind of spread thin in competitions right now so health is the question and they definitely could could bring in at least um, another I honestly don't know because they have the depth they're just not healthy um, they brought in quality signings in uh, Sumari and Dhaka and the, all these guys are hurt so I honestly don't know if they need anybody in the market but obviously anybody helps at this point you bring in some fresh blood it, it definitely can revitalize things um, but, yeah, I think they can definitely turn it around if their, their bill of health changes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, just one more game. I'm going to let you do this because, honestly, I have to pee, and this is your team. So I'll be right back.
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Chelsea just 3-0 and this year against Spurs now. Um, it's just a matchup problem for Tottenham. And we saw in the in the lineup setup that Conte for the first time played a four-four in the back. And it didn't work because well, I shouldn't say it didn't work. The first half, they limited Chelsea's opportunities um well. Um Chelsea doing the same thing played four in the back. That's due to injuries. We have Christensen out and um it just doesn't make sense to play Aspi there. Um, we know Sar can play there, but we don't want to put uh, Alonzo out there. His form's kind of been iffy recently. I thought Georgino did well. Kovacic's all right. Um Ziyech's goal in the start of the second half was is up there for goal of the season. Um oh, unbelievable. Everybody thought he would hit it over and it just had that dip laid on and it was just unbelievable what he what he did there. Um and Loris just, just rooted to the spot, could not move. Um Tiago Silva doubles down, gets a goal. This guy this guy is unbelievable. He's locked in for another year. Um he'll be 38, but his knowledge of the game is top tier. It's unbelievable what he's doing at his age. In a position like that where he's coming up against guys with, with unbelievable speed and his positional awareness and being able to understand what's going on around him, when to step into a challenge, when to um, shield a guy off into a certain area of the field is, I don't know, it's unbelievable. I think he is a rare situation because he played in AC Milan in that back with with Paolo Maldini, and he's definitely learned a lot of things from him, and that's something a lot of players very, could be very jealous of, and it's a rare quality to have. Uh, not a quality. It's a rare situation to learn under somebody that's such a legend of the game, um, and you definitely see how how it's turned out for him. He's able to play at this age, and with that knowledge, it keeps him in this. But um, the only problem for Chelsea here is Lukaku. This guy, man, this guy. You pay 125 million dollars for somebody. He starts out hot, and he gets hurt, and COVID happens, and you can't hold that against him. But and then the media thing comes up with the interview, and it's just all bad timing for him. I think it. it you just have to put all that bullshit aside and just let the guy play. Just let him play, game in, game out. Let him play. He, he'll, the goals will come and. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out long-term. With Tuchel and him, it's a similar situation how Rafa was with Luka Ding. Um, I just don't think they click on the same level when it comes to how they, he should play. In particular, he wants to play in behind and such, how a lot of speedsters are. And with his size, it's you should take advantage of. But he went to Tuchel. Wants him as a big man, kind of hold things up and let the other guys do the scoring. And I don't know, it's a weird situation, but they're getting the wins, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, Tottenham, on the other hand, had their opportunities. There was the push in the back, um, Kane on Thiago Silva, where Kane ultimately scored, and it was a one-nil game to Spurs. Um, personally, as a Chelsea fan. It did look light. I think it could have stood, and if it did, it's a completely different game, because then Tottenham's packing the fuck out of that thing. Um, Conte's definitely putting another holding mid uh, defender on there, 1 million percent. Um, But ultimately at the end of the day, VAR played to our favor, and um, Bergwijn starts after that unbelievable uh, heroic act of two goals in stoppage time against Leicester. Um, Did not did not uh help here so i think this at the end of the day this chelsea tottenham matchup is one sided i don't think tottenham could ever this this year match up against chelsea well i mean we're three and zero against them in a span of four weeks what like there's nothing else you can say
0: yeah it's absolutely true um i didn't know if you knew i was back or not
1: i heard the door open yeah. i had a. I, I I'm just blown away by what Tiago Silva is able to do every at week. His age.
0: Yeah. No, he's, he's, he, of course he was always a, he was a quick center back. He was really quick, but he was also technically extremely good. Um,
1: I did I mean he played with Paolo Maldini. Yeah, he learned from the
0: uh, he learned from one of the best center backs of all time. I mean, he's he's played all over the place with all sorts of different players. He's passed on his knowledge to so many different players. I mean, look at look at the center backs, the young center backs and the young defenders in Paris now. Um, Pempe and guys like that learned alongside Silva and it's no It's no coincidence that since Silva's come in, Rudiger has really come into his own as well. Uh, I think Rudiger's always had the talent, but playing alongside uh, Silva has to be probably one of the top five center backs of all time. Honestly, top 10, maybe. uh, Certainly one of the best that I've ever seen play. Um, Consistent everywhere he's been. So good in terms of directing the team as well as playing his own game and being as clutch as he can possibly be. Um, and it's been great. I mean, Chelsea kind of got him, they got him on a free, didn't they? Yeah. And then of course, re-signed him for one year. And I would imagine he'll continue to be on one year deals, but I don't know why you wouldn't extend him. I mean, what a figure to have. Uh, I don't know how good his English is. I don't think it's that great. Honestly, that's 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 the word. Um, but he seems to fit into this team and, and, uh, I think Maling Sar actually looked really good in this game, and I think he's looked good when I've seen him play. So uh, the Thiago Silva effect, maybe, I don't know. Maybe these guys are actually just coming into their own. But uh, Chelsea have an extremely experienced team. Jorginho been playing quite some time. Uh, good for the national team, good for Chelsea. Silva the same way. Um, and then Lukaku, who's been playing a long time as well, although he, like you were talking about, I, I managed to hear you, uh, not in the best form right now, but if you let him play, the goals will come. That's just how he is. Um, I don't know if he's playing for the right manager right now. I, I agree with what you said about that. Um, but you have to just let him play. It's not like Timo Werner where this skill maybe isn't there. Um, I think Lukaku is capable of 20 goals a season, like very easily. So we'll see. Um but Chelsea, you know, this was a result they really needed. They uh I think in the month of January have as many wins as Norwich. So that's uh that's an interesting statistic.
1: That's true. Those yeah. only wins are the only wins are against we have three wins against Tottenham this month.
0: Yeah. So
1: those are our only wins.
0: <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Um, well,
1: you could you could throw in there's an FA Cup game in there, but whatever about yeah. that. No, I meant in the league. Same. same yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
0: Um. Okay. So Premier League transfers, not a lot to say. We we've been talking about rumors and stuff like that. Um. One that's really of note, I think, is Anthony Martial being loaned out to Sevilla. I think that's huge. They are talking about. There's another rumor I just found. Um. I'll let you... Do you have any that you want to talk about off the top of your head? Um, We kind of talked about a couple throughout the show.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I wanted it to go, just so at the end we didn't like just go on forever. But
0: Yeah. Oh, Van de Beek. Uh, Palace want him, and apparently it's there's negotiation.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's one that can be a huge difference because we've seen um how Con- Connor Gallagher has affected this Palace team with his um, attacking style and he's bagging goals, he's bagging assists, and he's a big staple into that team. And I think if they can get Von in there, who could play like a box to box kind of guy. Or maybe more of a holding pl- deep line playmaker, he play he could play for Will Hughes. Um, that'll be huge. And then you throw T uh check Cuyate. Yep. Um coming from back from injury. Or not injury excuse me, AFCON. Um, I think they'll have a lethal uh, midfield three there. And we know, I think a lot of people forget Vonda Beek and what he's capable of um, when he played for Ajax. Um, he's a quality player. I think if he gets a good run there, um, Palace is going to be a very dangerous team going forward. But yeah, that's, that's one um, transfer that I think would be huge especially in January because there's not, there's never going to be a big headliner move that's going to happen. And I think that would be one of the bigger ones.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and in terms of, of things that have been confirmed, I mean, we're still really waiting for the very end. Um, the window closes relatively soon. You just kind of have to wait. Um, there's not a ton of stuff going on right now. Uh, you really have to wait for, for the closing, Uh, for the names that are are big uh, to start to pop up. So uh, maybe by the time we film our next episode, more will have occurred. Uh, We've talked about pretty much all of the ones of note. Guimaraes, Van de Beek, Anthony Martial. There was one more that we talked about as well. Would
1: Would you rather have that Bruno, or would you rather have Wijnaldum come to Arsenal?
0: I'd probably rather have Wijnaldum, but I haven't seen a ton about that. Have you?
1: I mean, he's been linked to whether it's Newcastle or he, because I think at the end of the day, we know it, from the summertime he thought he was going to Barcelona. Yeah, he did. Right. And he goes to PSG, and he was never happy at first about it. So I definitely think he'll leave soon. N- not soon, but I think in the next year or so, he's, he'll definitely leave PSG. Right. Because um, that team is cracked when it comes to depth. But I don't know where. I definitely could see him come back to the Prem. But yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. He's he's definitely looked to play. He wants to play somewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would hope, I would hope to see him back um, in the prem. I think he's got a lot to offer, especially for a club like Arsenal. He'd be great alongside Partey. You know, he can he can range forward a little bit better than a traditional holding mid or defensive midfielder can. So, I I would love to see one of them. He's he's good really all over the park. So that'd be a great signing. And Guimara is not necessarily as proven. He's solid. Uh, for Leon, but I think Wijnaldum it just has a, a higher quality and he's more proven. And that's really what Arsenal need at this point because the team's so young.
1: Yeah, Usman Dembele has been allowed to leave Barcelona. One of those guys that came from Dortmund for uh, I think $120 million and the guy's been injured half of his career. So apparently there's rumors that his agent's been in London this week and is in talks with Chelsea. But I mean, I don't know why we want him. The guy's hit hurt all the time, and we have enough attackers. It doesn't it doesn't make sense there. Um, obviously, he he was he worked under Tuchel, so there's that link there. So that puts some sort of credibility into that rumor. But I mean, you have him, Pulisic, Mount, Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, Hudson, odoi Yeah, like. We have to we have to clear the bill for sure. We we have to make room because Rudiger wants four hundred thousand dollars a week as a center back.
0: Yeah, that's it's a lot. I mean, he might be worth it, but that's a lot. That's a lot of coin.
1: I think he's twenty eight. If I had to guess on the top of my head, so he's in
0: his prime. I think he's he is twenty seven or twenty eight. He's twenty eight. Yep, off the top of your head, bingo. So.
1: I mean, he's obviously a leader of the club. We know Silva's not going to be there f- um, after two years, probably. Uh, maybe he will. Uh, I wouldn't say that. The, guy, the guy's probably going to be like Ronaldo, play until he's 40. Yeah. Um Ibra, like Ebra as well. So maybe I shouldn't say that. But, yeah, I don't know. I think he has to stay in the team. He's a staple figure. But like you mentioned, Saar has looked good. He's a young center back from France. We got Chaloba. That guy people forget about is good. Christensen, underrated. So there are guys there if Rudiger leaves. Yep. But I don't know. It's a, it's Chelsea is always a win-now mentality. So if they want to do that, they should ha- try all they can to keep him. Uh, it's just disappointing. Obviously, the number one place we need to sign is fullback right now. So I think we did sign a 18 year old like left wing back from Derby. I think he's a he's played for like the U23s and he has some international credibility, but I don't think he's going to be a major major signing. But Alonso's Alonso's just not the end all be all solution. Um, it's unfortunate because Chilwell never had a big run this year where he was firing off, but yeah when it comes to Chelsea, I think wing back's a big role, yeah um, we talked about Arsenal with striker and holding mid um there were rumors that uh Matt Turner, the goalie from the revolution was linked to Arsenal Yes. um a $5 I don't know million
0: dollar bid was put in
1: yeah i don't know I don't know if he should do that um there are links with Leno to go to Newcastle, but that that's like saying the water's blue um. I don't know. Atlanta is definitely going to leave by the, by the end of this summer, so they'll definitely look for a backup goalie. Um, I don't know how much of an impact that would be for Turner on his career because I know everybody would rather have Ramsdale on goal, but that would be interesting to see in his career. Um, for sure. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think every team could definitely use a transfer, some more than others, those being Newcastle, probably everton and um norwich probably spent all their money in the summer so they probably won't bring anybody in but those are teams that need them yeah for sure um it must be nice to be man city you know what i mean they probably don't have to think about signing anybody
0: yeah it must be nice indeed
1: yeah i think i think that kind of wraps things up um I don't know. It's gonna be weird. That's going into this this international break, um, a lot of time off between the next games. We have international break with the U.S. We talked about that at the top of the show with twenty eight guys getting called up and half of them being MLS. And these these games are critical. Um, they play they play Saturday against El Salvador. Um, then they play Canada and then Honduras, I believe, to close out the break of games um must win games all of them if we want to be in a comfortable position um i don't know what i will do if the us do not qualify um for the second time in a row i i, I honestly don't know what i would do i don't know about you but if the us aren't in this world cup i might lose my head
0: yeah i mean the last time it happened it was it was really hard um, just doesn't feel the same truly it's been so long since we've been able to root for the US I mean I remember you guys were at my house for the Belgium game I yeah. don't think I've felt that alive in a long time um, It's it's been a really really long time since we've seen the US represent the country or the the men's national team represent the country in such a huge tournament. Uh, of course, you know, you get the CONCACAF stuff, it's fine, uh, but it's not the same. It's just not the same as the World Cup. It is the ultimate tournament. It is the absolute best. And the football is so different than what we're used to watching. And I, maybe it's not even a better product, honestly, but uh, it just means so much. And this golden generation of U.S. players, um, young guys who are in the first teams for extremely um, high-profile European clubs, you want to see what they can do as a unit when it really, really matters. And I just hope that we get to see it. Uh, We're heading into qualification again, and I pray that we qualify because I will also lose my head if I don't get to see the U.S., uh, if I don't get to buy a New Jersey, if I don't get together with friends and and yell at the tv because it's just such a huge part um and it's so nice to root with your friends you know what i mean we all support different prem clubs so it's different but to get together or to go out to a bar and everybody there wants the same thing uh underrated aspect of sporting event
1: yeah um i guess the last thing we're we're talking about transfers there's a new policy i think they approved for the 2024 season when it comes to loan policies they're going to only allow you to loan out six players, and you're only allowed to loan in six players. I think that's the new rule. So Chelsea's going to have to restructure their club mentality when it comes to things. Um, I'm happy about it because you kind of waste all these players' time, um, giving them hope to play in a team that they probably will never. Um, I don't know how you feel about that when it comes to loans. Um It affects a lot of the the smaller clubs clubs, more when it comes to they have to limit who they bring in and in what area of the field. But when it comes to the bigger teams, it's they have to be very particular about who they keep and who they let go fully. So I think that's an interesting rule there. Um, And then um, we talked about at the top of the show, new uh, pre-show we were talking about. Um, the COVID mandates, or not mandates, but the new rulings in the Prem. How, when it comes to postponements, they're saying that you have to have at least four um, positive COVID, tested, it, COVID tests in the squad to put in for a postponement. Um, because we saw Arsenal, I think, only have one when it came into the Tottenham game. So um, what do you think about that? Does that... I don't. I think we're starting to get away from COVID now. To be honest with you, yeah. cases are down. So well,
0: I think and people just aren't testing these, anymore. It's just not convenient to test. I mean,
1: almost almost every single person in this league has had it, so yeah. they're not going to have it again anytime soon. So it doesn't make sense to me for any more postponements. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I do. It, it's it's funny because I was just talking about this about the NFL, and we're going to wrap the show up, but. um I think a lot of people have had it, but it's interesting how when the games start to really matter, um, you know, rules change. Like they stopped testing in the NFL. Nobody's had COVID the entire playoffs, oh. and they don't. Like, does the NFL think that the public is dumb enough to not consider that? P- probably. I mean, that's how they just. That's how they are. Um, I don't think. I think the the prem rule is fine. I mean, it sucks that like teams got cheated out. Like, t- like Tottenham got cheated by that rule. They got fucked, hundred percent. Arsenal should have had to play the game, and they they didn't. And now the rules changed, and they would have had to play the game. So, I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's like too little, too late, honestly. Because what are you like? W- w- what's going to happen now? Because the numbers are are fine, and teams are pretty much all back to playing. You know, the teams that have been like fully destroyed by it, they're not going to get fully destroyed by it because COVID antibodies last three months allegedly, who the fuck knows and you can't really get it again within three months so, like, what's the point of doing it now? Like, you're so late the Premier League's so late on this shit Yeah, uh, yeah I, I just don't know, like, I just think it was, it's kind of like foolish to to go through and waste the resources to change this rule now, switch everything up mid-season when they should have had this this plan in place you know when they started to see the first teams getting fully ravaged by it like they should have developed this then not now like they're just they're months late
1: yeah I think um I think Maurizio Sarri said it the best um in the manager in Italy I think he was saying that if it's if it's such a big deal then we should all just stop playing and Go into quarantine and shit like that for a while. Like, it doesn't make sense to be playing right now.
0: Yeah, it's true. Okay. Um, guys, that's everything for this episode. We're now finished with episode 117. I got to head off to work. Uh, probably post this one later on in the day. So I appreciate everybody listening to this one. Make sure you check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Post20Pod. You can find the podcast anywhere. You can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. Until next week, uh, take care of yourselves. Be safe uh, if you're from around here where we're going to get hammered by the snow. Be careful. We'll see you then.